If you are entering the real estate uh, market right now, depending on where you live, it could be either really good or really bad. If you're selling your house, let's say here in Texas, where are you going to move? I mean, right now, houses are, I mean, they're selling for obscene amounts of money. Great. You want to talk about a bubble, um, except here in Texas is not a bubble because everybody's moving here from other places. So if you want to sell your house, you got a real estate agent that's going to get the the best deal uh, for you, but then has to find another house for you to live in. If you're in a crappy state like uh, Manhattan and New York and you're moving from them, you've got to get a great real estate agent that knows how to offload that thing. <laughs> how do you do it? You need a great real estate agent. We found them. Uh, we interview them. We um, make sure that they are the best in according to our standards as knowing how to get people to look at your home. They've got a good advertising campaign. They have a good track record with the clients. That'd be you. Uh, they're the best in the area at sales. You'll find them, and it's a free service to you at realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. as though uh, the universities and the students didn't really mean tenure. I mean, okay, tenure, what's it for? Well, it's to protect views that may be controversial. Now, I, for one, I don't like tenure uh, because tenure has been used to filter out opposing views and only have really radical views where's the try to get tenure if you're a conservative or don't believe the same thing as the far left does you're not even getting hired let alone tenure all right but tenure exists so we don't have what happened you know with galileo and the catholic church you know you got to be able to think freely and explore all options that's what a university should be teaching not not what to think but how to think by asking questions and pushing people to their limits of understanding get them to reach out themselves inside of themselves well that's not what's happening at our university in fact u.s campuses an increasingly uncompromising climate is costing professors their job and one professor is not being fired, but now the students are demanding that he resign over his uh, expressing concern over critical race theory and anti-white sentiment on campus. It's an amazing story. He joins us in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. You know, the thing I really hate about cars is... It, um, they don't even care if it's a good time to break down. You know what I mean? 
They're they're not looking at your your bank statements. They don't they don't know. They don't care. And you know the other bad thing about when cars break down is I kind of I just I know this is unreasonable, but I always just feel like I paid for it. It should work, and it should continue to work. It should continue to work. You know, if I did something wrong, that's you know me. But you know, two hundred thousand miles. Keep driving. Keep going. What's well, hard? Because if something breaks down and you're out of warranty, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Have you, by the way, seen what's happening with the chips? How hard it is to get chips? Apple can't even get uh, chips right now. Hmm. That's a problem. Uh, We're going to do something on that here in the next couple of days. But anyway, a chip could send you back, you know, six grand if you can even get one now. Your car doesn't care about your savings. Uh, you don't want to be on the hook for thousands of dollars. That's why you should go to CarShield.com. CarShield.com. It's what I have on my trucks because I want them. I want to drive them till the doors fall off. CarShield.com allows me to do that without huge expenses. Save ten percent, and a deductible may apply. But get the coverage you need. CarShield.com. Promo code Beck. Aaron Kinswater, he is a counseling professor at the University of Vermont, and the students want him to resign because he had concerns. Uh, His concerns were put together on a video, and he released it. It's really, uh, really well thought out, really articulate, uh, and in my opinion, not controversial. Uh, he's expressing an opinion. If you don't like it, go pound sand, you know, make a video yourself. Uh, but they want to silence him. And we asked him to be on the uh, program. We're thrilled to have him on. Hello, Professor. How are you? Hello, Mr. Beck. I'm very well. Thank you. Good. Um, so, first of all, what do you teach at the university? Uh, I teach uh, psychotherapy. So, uh, I help to prepare people who are going to uh, be helping adults uh, who are in mental distress, and uh, I also help to prepare uh, counselors who are going to be working in the schools, who are going to be um, working with children who are uh, experiencing uh, distress as well. So it's not that I would dismiss, you know, a, a you know professor of mathematics if he had the same view, but this is really in your alley, is it not? It, it, it most certainly is. It most certainly is. And the um, the encroachment of uh, critical race theory into uh, psychotherapy is is truly uh, frightening in its implications for uh, the mental health of both uh, children and adults. Tell me why. Well, um, there, there are two different reasons, uh, for, uh, children, children need a particular environment in which to flourish. And it's, it's an environment where no conditions are placed upon their sense of self-worth. Now, obviously there are, uh, rules that they need to learn and so forth, but you don't, you don't, um, 
you, you, you don't convey to a child that they are uh, uh, good or bad based on what they um, what they do. And this ideology, and in particular, uh, Kendi's version of anti-racism, um, uh, establishes very uh, strict parameters uh, of of uh, viewing oneself and other people as either good or evil. Uh, but in in Kendi's language, he's using the term racist or anti-racist. But it's it's essentially a good you're either good or evil morality uh, ideology. And it's not, there's, there's no, uh, I mean, to me, it's teaching our children that you don't have a chance if you're, if you're white now, you really don't have a chance because you're part of, you know, team evil. And if you are, if you are a person of color, well, they're teaching you you really don't have a chance unless we all get together and stop these people on team evil so it, 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 it yes. it's just crushing the individual is it not it it, it most certainly is it, it 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 is saying that uh in in order to be um an acceptable person you must first claim fealty to this ideology and i would just add to that that um, for 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 children of color and black children, uh, they are not safe from this either. Because if if they don't if they don't uh, toe this line, then they have there are lots of interesting names that are being created within academia um, for them. The most uh, the, the one that I've just heard recently that's come out is uh, multiracial whiteness. And it's a way to take a person of color uh, or a black person and say, well, you're just white. And uh, which which is meant to be an insult right. uh, from that perspective. So I, I don't I don't even know if this is I, I, this, I, this conversation can get derailed by uh, thinking of this in terms of a white thing or a black thing. What this what this really is is this is a racist thing. It's racism and, and racism is contagious. And it, it, it once all it needs is a foothold and an air of legitimacy. And then it will flow out into society and, and be adopted uh, widely to the detriment of every uh, person. And the university of Vermont right now is giving uh, the habits of mind that inform racism, they are, the administration is presenting this as a form of intellectual refinement. And right now, uh, it gains legitimacy by saying, well, we're focusing on whiteness. But, you know, no, no habit of mind that is so crude and so destructive is going to stay focused on whiteness. This is going to find its way to the doorstep of persons who have the least amount of power in society to defend themselves from it. And give me an example uh, of that. What do you mean by that? Well, that uh, that that people who um, uh, new Americans, for example, in Burlington, uh, don't speak the language. Uh, they don't. Um, 
Uh, they're not familiar with our culture. They're just coming in. They're coming in from war-torn countries. Those people uh, need a liberal society, one in which they are protected uh, from, uh, from uh, you know, uh, ridiculous views and categorizations about who they are. And uh, traditional liberalism that looks at people as uh, individuals and that insists that any claims about individuals be subjected to skepticism and empiricism mm-hmm. helps to protect even the least powerful among us. Uh, when we start making unsubstantiated claims about a link between a particular race and, uh, you know, vaguely defined social ills, it tends to find its way uh, down to the people who are not in a position to protect themselves. Uh, I hate to bring it here, but I'm, uh, I unfortunately am going to. The, um, I, I, I'm a, you know, historian wannabe. And I collect a lot of uh, a lot of documents uh, and I collect a lot of the dark side stuff about America and the world. And um, I have the teacher's manuals from Germany that teach how the Jews are subhuman and 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 how the children are to treat those Jews uh, and I see a lot of similarities here. Uh, you know, we had that study what was it, in the 1960s, maybe 1960, where the uh, classroom was told we're going to do blue eyes and brown eyes. And by the time they went out for recess, they were they were already in separate groups. I mean, this yeah. is what we're doing, isn't it? it? It is. And the thing is, Glenn, like even. Even two years ago, I would have said, oh, no, you know, we're not to that point yet. I think we are dangerously, dangerously close to coming uh, uh, to a point uh, that you're talking about with these teaching manuals. I haven't had I have been wanting to go back and look at what this looked like when it happened in Germany, because I, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that the thought processes, the, uh, the habits of mind and yeah. And the dehumanization are the same. Mm-hmm. I think where people keep getting derailed um, in, in recognizing this as uh, as much of a problem as it is, is that they, they think of this in terms of, um, well, this is just, you know, this is just society talking back to the powerful, but they they have to realize, and what they mean by that is, you know, that 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 white people are, are considered to exist higher on right. uh, on this intersectional ladder. But this this way this way of thinking is so contagious, and it's you know, I'm sure that there are good intentions behind, uh, tur- you know, turning towards whiteness, but. It it, it would take virtually no time at all for the conversation, and I'm even hearing whispers about this now, to where now Asian people are part of the problem. Because, look, they're even more successful uh, than white people are. (laughs) And yet, you're beginning to hear whispers of that. No, there's not whispers. Hang on just a sec. Give me a minute. i got to do a commercial. We come back. 
they're not whispers. They're screaming it from the top of their lungs. The uh, vice president of the school board of San Francisco is saying that very thing right now. We'll, uh, we'll continue our conversation with Professor Aaron Kinsvater in uh, just a second. So the job market's starting to pick back up, and that with increased COVID vaccine distribution, it's allowing the economy to grow a little faster, which in turn is starting to push those low mortgage rates back up just a little, little by little. Now, the Fed is saying something incredibly ridiculous that they don't care about inflation since when. If there's inflation, they're still not going to raise the rates. I, 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 <laughs> trying to make sense of the world, it's a whole new world right now and this one doesn't make any sense it's the gods of the copybook headings read that if you haven't by rudyard kipling uh american financing is there to help you get your finances in order if you're paying too much for your credit cards or you're paying three or four percent on your mortgage please call american financing right now and see how much money they can save you 800-906-2440 800-906-2440 or americanfinancing.net 10 second station id american financing nmls 182334 www.nmls now 10 second station id We're with uh, Aaron Kinsvater, uh, a professor who is in trouble at his university. How much trouble, first of all, are you in? Uh, I don't know. Um, it's um, it, it, it's hard to say how or if uh, this situation will escalate. Um, what I can say now... Being on the Glenn Beck program is not going to help you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 what, one of the things that I, I appreciate about you, Mr. Beck, is that, that I do think that you are someone who uh, has spoken uh, to both sides of the political aisle. And it doesn't mean that you have to think about, uh, you don't have to believe what people on the other side of the aisle believe, but you you do send out uh, a message of unity. And I, um, it, uh, people are talking about our, our great uh, polarization in this country right now. I'm, I'm starting to think that it's going to be like uh, people like you and I who are uh, talking to our, our neighbors and our friends and sitting down and saying, let's, let's oh, have a is. conversation about our differences that is going to lead us forward rather than the... Um, you know, rather than institutions oh, that are putting on programs like turning towards whiteness. Oh yeah, the, but, the, I will tell you that it's going to take the lo- it's going to take local effort, and it's going to take person yeah. to person, just reaching out and going, "Come on!" I mean, because you said in your speech, uh, let me see if I can find it here real quick. You said um, about unity that that we have a lot in uh, common. You said we sh- we yeah. all share the same values. We all want the same right. thing for our university and our society. Uh, Is that true? Well, not at the University of Vermont. uh, But I I do think that that I am absolutely convinced that this is true among most people. But at the University of Vermont, their response uh, uh, to me, the provost's response was to say, uh, my values uh, do not represent the values of the university. And... um, uh, and then encouraged uh, to some degree uh, 
members of the university, and in, including colleagues in my department, in their um, in in the steps that they were taking to uh, ostracize me. So that that was a pretty shocking response mm-hmm. from the uh, provost of the university. Um, let me give you this. This is from the the vice president of the school board in San Francisco. Uh, I can't remember her name. Her last name is Collins. Uh, she just spoke about Asians, uh, Asian Americans. She said uh, many Asian Americans believe they benefit from the model minority BS. In fact, many Asian American teachers, students and parents actively promote these myths. They use white supremacist thinking to assimilate and get ahead. Oh, boy. That, that, that has just got to stop. Uh, the, the use of, I mean, we can talk about why this is so effective, but I, I, I think that one thing that the average, yeah, I, I realize that not everyone has time to sit down and, and study these matters, but people have must, must absolutely understand that the people who are saying things like that tend to be master manipulators. And so when they are uh, deciding what to name things, um, they, uh, they, they name them in such a way that uh, it, it pushes uh, the part of our psychology that responds to guilty feelings, uh, which is a very, very effective manipulation technique and, and when pernicious. someone says so, pernicious i yeah. cannot believe that the, the how ubiquitous this is and um and white supremacy is a good example of that now no reasonable person uh would would um, uh, not say that white supremacy as it was at a time yes. where yes. Uh, one particular race mm-hmm. was holding itself above another was not a bad thing. And so what, what people who are using terms like this have done is to say, we understand now that the very worst thing that you can call someone is a racist or a white supremacist. So we're going to change what that means in order to guilt people into, putting, into not putting up too much of a fight. Okay. Uh, when we ask that they adopt these other ideologies. A professor from the University of Vermont, his name is Aaron Kinsvater. I'm going to uh, tweet out his, uh, his, his video that he made that he's in so much trouble for. I want you to watch it and see where the problem is. Uh, and I'd like to ask him one more question. If he has time, one more question when we come back. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right. Spring is in the air, and if you're anywhere near an authoritarian kind of rule, uh, it doesn't matter. Spring is here. You're still in the gulag. Uh, but, hey, if you have a great grill, if you have a rec tech at your house, ah, it's going to ease the pain, uh, you know, a, a little bit. Let me, let me tell you about rec tech. If you're thinking about a new grill, uh, there is nothing better. Smoke grill, bake, everything. And it has smart technology in it. So the smart grill technology, you can monitor what's happening with the grill and the temperature from an app on your phone. You can be anywhere. You can be, you know, you don't even have to be home and you could start this thing. 
It is really, really fantastic and uh, makes a great meal. I burn everything on a grill. I have I haven't had a bad meal on the Rectech because it just comes out perfectly because it adjusts everything for me. It's smarter than I am. Let's just say that. Rectech with a Q, R-E-C-T-E-Q.com. Rectech.com. Big week coming up this week on Blaze TV. Make sure to get your subscription now. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Promo code is Glenn, and you'll save 10 bucks. We are uh, with Professor Aaron Kinsvater. Uh, he is um, a professor at the University of Vermont. He did a just a really great, calm, collected uh, video on why critical race theory is poison to society. Um, and he has received incredible blowback. Um, I want to I wanted to ask you two things, since what yes, you specialize in is the mind and um, and counseling counsel here for a couple of uh, a couple of things. First, counsel me as a dad. If my child would come to me and say, Dad, I know you're not racist, but it's not enough to not be racist. You need to be anti-racist. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. would follow that with. Well, what does that mean? Uh, because I right. am against racism. Uh, but if mm-hmm. they're using it as part of this terminology, how do you how do you explain to your kid when they say that to you? You, uh, you would have to provide them with additional reading materials. Remember that what what the child in this case is being taught is essentially a, a, a very effective rhetorical strategy but the moment you start to to complicate the assertion that the child is making in this case uh they begin to have to uh wrestle with the idea of what exactly is meant by anti-racist and who gets to make um those decisions and so um so at, you know oftentimes asking from from a good faith uh, curious mm-hmm. uh, position to say, um, well, you know, w- what um, uh, what about what about kids? You know, would you really want to uh, would you really want to tell a younger uh, a kid who was younger than you that it, it's not enough? And uh, if if they're not if they don't adopt more of what you think that they uh, should be that that they're racist. Would you really want to tell that to a child? Because the person who is, uh, the person who you're, you're talking about daughter wrote a book saying that that's exactly what we should be doing. We should be telling pre-verbal infants that there's, you're either racist or you're anti-racist. Do you think that's a good idea? But are, are you saying I'm playing devil's advocate, but are you saying that you don't benefit from white privilege? Well, you, uh, this is again. This is a very, very complicated discussion because uh, uh, you, any time that an assertion is made like that, you need to think about it in terms of the grounds that support it, and to the consequences to which it may lead. And so, you know, you, you could make an argument that I benefit from white privilege, but the consequences to which that is going to lead is 
Now we're going to be talking about Asian privilege. And then, uh, just, just to really make a mess of society, we're going to start talking about the, you know, the differences between brown privilege and, uh, you know, and, and, and black privilege. It is an incredibly divisive way of thinking, especially when there are so many uh, perfectly acceptable alternatives. Uh, what, what we could do instead of talking about white privilege is we could begin using what's called evidence-based advocacy, where we take a very specifically defined problem, uh, we measure its impacts, we take a very carefully um, uh, put together solution apply it to the problem and see what happens. That's such a more effective way of helping uh, with societal problems than, uh, than, than statements that encourage people to begin uh, to uh, uh, view each other in terms of race and in terms of how much power or privilege they have based on that race. So you could make the argument that I've benefited from uh, white privilege. But then I, I think if you're going to make that argument, you also have to be ready to talk about uh, the, what the implications of the conversation that you're starting are likely to have on society. And they are not good. We could take your materials, Mr. Beck, uh, from Germany, look at them and say, this is where that goes. This right. is how that goes. It's the same thinking well you could also take their own materials and show that sure. um you know we're talking about a meritocracy they're, they're saying that merit-based judgment is bad uh yeah. that that doesn't lead any place good um you, no. you you have to have certain standards and this the, when they say whiteness they mean all western society all of the cultural norms well there might be some bad ones but there's some also really good ones in there as well. Um, Absolutely. One, one last question. Um, this audience is filled with people that want to do something. Yeah. They don't know exactly what. They feel very alone. Uh, yeah. And many of them probably are starting to see this now in their own business, but yeah. they've got a family to feed. Uh, how do you, what do you say to them uh, about standing up? There, well, okay, there are two things that you can do that will really help. One, um, reach out to your neighbor who might, if your audience is mostly conservative, then maybe reach out. And I know this is a hard thing for conservatives to do. It's a, it really is a hard time to be conservative. But, you know, maybe reach out to someone who's a little bit less conservative or more on the left, but is a reasonable person. And, you know, start a conversation. There, there are organizations like Braver Angels. I'm not speaking for them, but I'm a big fan that try to bring people on the right and the left together. And I think what happens is that we will all see that we are not nearly as alone as, alone as we think we are. Mm -hmm. um, we share much, much more in common as Americans than, than we have that divides us. The other thing that you can do if, if you want to do something to, to take action is what I did with my alma mater, Kent State University is when they called me for money, I said, do you have a diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, uh, initiative? And they said, yes. And I said, 
does diversity include, it, uh, is diversity, equity, and inclusion specifically defined? And specifically, is diversity of thought considered to be a kind of diversity? And is inclusion of different perspectives uh, to be considered, uh, 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 you know, a kind of inclusion? And uh, they would not respond uh, to my uh, questions. And so I said, well, until you do, uh, respond to these questions, you will not receive one more dime from me as an alumni. And so, uh, so do not support universities that are not willing to provide uh, definitions uh, when they say anti-racism or they say equity or they say diversity and inclusion. Do not support them unless they are willing to provide uh, definitions, and unless they are willing to do what they're supposed to be doing anyway, which is to say, we are trying to facilitate diversity of thought, we are trying to bring together people uh, and include different perspectives to bring them to bear on the intractable, intractable problems that our country faces. If everybody only does that, you will quickly uh, see things change. The way to a university president's spine is through their pocketbook. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Professor Aaron Kinsvater, University of Vermont. Uh, do the people um, that you, in your profession, yeah. do they get it and are just silent or are they for this? I think the vast majority are, they get it, and they are not for this. But they, uh, as, as a profession, counseling and psychology and social work are very, very woke. And so anyone who speaks out publicly about, that, about this uh, really receives quite a lot of backlash. But your average uh, psychotherapist is, uh, and I know this because of my work with some of the organizations that are, uh, you know, working to counter this trend. People are increasingly seeking uh, psychotherapy because they are just being devastated by these, uh, you know, trainings uh, where they're being singled out as racist because they said that doesn't sound quite right to me. Or, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, young men who are coming in and who've been told that, um, you know, they're, they're to- toxic because of their masculinity and they need to work on that. And these, these people just come in uh, uh, who, who have begun to buy into this and they uh, feel terrible about themselves and they're, they're increasingly coming uh, to therapists for help. One of the things that is being worked on right now is a um, is a resource, uh, an international resource uh, of non woke uh, psychotherapists, so that people know that they can go to these psychotherapists, and they, you know, people are welcome to talk about wow. uh, anti racism and so forth in in these uh, settings uh, to support it. But they they know that the therapist is not going to use the therapeutic uh, alliance as a venue in which the therapist can push their ideology is, onto the client. Is this an online thing that people can find? Uh, critical therapy antidote is uh, what people should look up. And uh, it, it, we're, we're just getting going, uh, but we're, 
we're beginning to uh, try oh. to put these resources out there. This has Boy. just happened within the last year. You, you, so you, we, all, we know there's a problem, and we're, we're trying to begin to address it. It's just going to take a little while. I will tell you, uh, you're braver than I even thought you were. Um, that is fantastic. Uh, please stay in touch with me. Anything we can do to help you, uh, you please let me know. Thank you. Uh, just keep reaching across the aisle, Glenn. You got it. That's uh, Professor Aaron Kinsvater. With a name like Kinsvater. I mean, you know what I'm saying. No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Glenn, I don't, I don't know, know what, what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that old commercial? Yeah, they used to run them constantly. Yeah, yeah. That was, gosh, those would probably be racist today. Yeah, they were anti-racist commercials. Back then, but they were yeah. probably advocating equal treatment. So yeah. they're way out of step with reality now. So everything's bigger in Texas, and that includes our giant gold ingots. We have a gold ingot, but my guy, my guy is not here today um, to get because it's your ingot guy. You got an ingot my, guy. I, have an, I got a guy. I, I got, got a guy. I got, guy I got an ingot guy. It's security that has the ingot. It's a, mm. uh, it's a three, uh, uh, a, um, oh, I can't remember how many ounces now, it, but it's it's stamped on. It's like twenty six hundred dollars, and I think it's how many pounds? Twenty pounds. It's like yeah. this gold bar that. You lift up and it's small, and you lift it up. You're like, oh my yeah, gosh, very this is heavy. dense and heavy. Yeah, worth three hundred thousand dollars. Three hundred thousand dollars. It is when it was mined and put together as a gold bar. The value of it was two thousand six hundred and forty-one dollars and ninety-six cents, and it's stamped on there. Now it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Gold doesn't hold its value, really. Of course it does. Uh, the the um, the price of gold is directly related to the the value of our dollar now, and that's why. I mean, if we were on the gold standard, that bar would still be worth two thousand six hundred forty one dollars or thereabouts. But we're not on the gold standard anymore. So now your dollar is worth less and less. So you can buy it takes 300,000 of those to buy that gold bar. Be bold. Make a bold move today to protect the future of your family. They now have uh, these gold bars uh, that sat on the bottom of the ocean after the wreck of the SS Central America for over a century. 72 feet, 7,200 feet below the surface, Goldline has acquired the rights to sell them directly to their best clients. Uh, if you're looking to invest in something, this is a great investment. Uh, it's this actual 1857 gold bar. It's incredible, an incredible piece of history. Call Goldline at 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. You know, one thing we didn't talk about, one thing we didn't talk about was it last week or the week before I, uh, I still have the sitting on my desk and I just, I, I, it's, it is crazy. The Nevada Democratic Party has now broken up. Um, have you seen this? No, the, the, terrible news though. I, well, wow, very- well, listen. Uh, the Democratic Socialist of America took over the leadership of the Nevada Democratic right. Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, sweeping all five party leadership positions and contested election. Um, and so 
now it's just i mean they it's all socialists so the democrats are are leaving and uh, like yeah uh it's now the democratic socialists of america and i think that's happened lots of places you just don't really notice it um but uh that's a little disturbing it's a little disturbing especially out west i just don't understand people who are from the west you know i'm from seattle and boy i don't understand those people what happened to you well, my my grandfather was right my grandfather said you know what all these people that are just too weird for california are going to move up here and they're going to wreck this place too <laughs> like come on grandpa that's not going to happen <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I think California, I think these are Californian rejects in Seattle. They're the people who are like, California is like, no, come on, come on. Even that is too crazy for us. And they're all in Seattle. Amazing. Yeah. It's just <laughs> it's it's just incredible the- how, how much things have changed so quickly, even since January. Mm. All right, we'll see you tomorrow on the radio. Uh, we've got uh, we've got a lot to report tomorrow. We've got a big week this week that you don't want to miss a single episode. We're going to teach you tomorrow and the next day a little bit about what's happening in the financial sector that will affect your life. That's on tomorrow's radio. This is the Glenn Beck Program.